everyone, and welcome into Wake and Take. It's your boy, Jason, and we have some football to talk about today. There's been some injuries at training camps. There's been some rumors on free agents. There's been all sorts of things, as well as an update on the NFL conduct policy and what that may mean for players such as Deshaun Watson. So why don't we go ahead, sit back, relax, sip our coffee, and enjoy the show. All right, guys, now that we are back into training camp season, that means we are back into clip of the day season, which means I've got one clip for you every single show. Today, it's this one. Boom. That is Jordan Love actually slinging it to Christian Watson, running it down the sideline and catching it. If you'll remember, that's almost the same exact play from week one last year that Christian Watson actually dropped and kind of changed his, his trajectory at the beginning of the year. Of course, he ended up becoming a fantastic wide receiver towards the end of the year, breaking Randy, well, I think tying Randy Moss's records for most touchdowns in a three-game span, absolutely crushing it. Uh, and I chose that clip because it's still kind of unknown what we're going to see from this Packers offense. And to me, it's just nice to see that connection basically already established. One thing we know for sure about Jordan Love is that he is not afraid to sling it. And I really do think that that can mean great things for Christian Watson. Go check out Jordan Love's college stats. Uh, very high yards per attempt. Very high yards per reception among his receivers and honestly a high turnover rate as well, which shows he's not afraid, obviously not a great thing to have, but shows he's not afraid. And I think that could mean a lot for a player like Christian Watson. So seeing that street caught and everything at practice is awesome to see for me, go get some Christian Watson. And yesterday we had a little bit of some technical difficulties. So I'm just going to kind of round out how I rounded out yesterday's show real quick, just for the people who are missed it. So basically, uh, I I basically was able to give in my thoughts about Ezekiel Elliott, which is that I like the Patriots landing spot for him as opposed to any of the other running backs that had toured with the Patriots. If Ezekiel Elliott lands with the Patriots, then that's OK, right? That's OK for Ramondre. Obviously, probably a little bit less touchdown upside, but that's good for Ezekiel Elliott. He's a great goal line back. He's a great short yardage back. Not good at anything else. So I do like that landing spot. I think it could mean good things for the Patriots and not really affect Ramondre in the way that a Fournette or a Dalvin Cook would. Dalvin Cook this weekend visited with the Jets, and I wanted to show off this picture. This is him actually at the training camp wearing green, talking to coaches with the players. And that to me seems really rare. I don't know how often you see a free agent essentially taking part in training camps. Of course, not, of course, he's not actually training, but just him being there in that capacity kind of lends me to believe he's going to the Jets. Uh, just, I mean, it's just weird to see a player there, especially wearing kind of the team colors and everything. I think that that means it's pretty much set in stone that Cook will be going to the Jets. I hate to say it because I do love Brees Hall. I've been taking him a lot in the third and fourth fourth rounds if he's been falling that far. Um, and so I, I hate the signing for that. But, you know, it is what it is. Brees Hall's still good for Dynasty. It's not like Dalvin Cook will be there forever. And it just means that the Jets offense is going to be pretty good. And speaking of the Jets, we have a quote from Aaron Rodgers regarding his pay cut. As we know, he took a $35 million pay cut uh, based on what he would have made in Green Bay versus what he's making now in, in New York. And what he said about this pay cut, big names move at the trade deadline now. And I wanted to make sure that if somebody valuable came available, that we'd be able to get him. I'm very happy with the contract. 
I feel great about it. And I wanted to mention that because that does show and lend some credence to the people who are believing that the Jets are true playoff contenders now. If Aaron Rodgers is taking this pay cut just to bring a, be able to bring in some extra talent, then that is a genius move, and I and you love to see it. And it's interesting from Aaron Rodgers too, a guy who has such a big ego, doing this for the good of the team. So I will give the first and the only applause in history to Aaron Rodgers. He deserves it. He deserves it. I, you know, I don't like giving him a round of applause, really, but hey, he he's doing a good thing here. Good for the team, and honestly, overall, good for him. The karma will come back around. So before we get into the rest of the news, I want to talk about today's topic, and that is actually the update to the NFL conduct policy. If I roster some players with some questionable character concerns, I might start to be a little bit worried because the verbiage of this thing is getting pretty, pretty scary in terms of suspensions and what could be going on to players overall. So... Let's start with this. Please, guys, please do not shoot the messenger. Please do not shoot the messenger. There's just some stuff to talk about here. And this is the updated NFL conduct policy and specifically kind of sexual assault. But it, it, that's kind of the big update. But even then, it, got, it goes beyond this. Let me read this to you guys. Let me get my bird. Sorry about that. Okay, so previously the policy prescribed a six-game baseline suspension without pay for first-time offenders who used physical violence, including domestic violence and sexual assault involving physical force. So originally it took, you know, actual doing. Now it has been updated to sexually assault to sexual assault involving threats or coercion, meaning that even just saying or hinting at doing something in terms of sexual assault from an NFL player will get you some sort of suspension. It's been added to the group of offenses that carry the more serious consequences. It goes on. A second violation of these offenses would result in banishment from the league, not an indefinite suspension that you can appeal, a banishment from the league. Also, the policy has been revised to state that the third-party disciplinary officer who, reveal, who reviews potential player conduct violation has the discretion to impose stricter penalties on players, including an indefinite suspension for other types of prohibited conduct. This came out last week at the beginning of training camp, and it has just now kind of become a bigger story. I want to highlight the Deshaun Watson case in particular because of the mention of a second violation. Yes, Deshaun Watson already served a suspension for the 23 of 26 sexual assault allegations brought against him. If you remember, 23 of them were settled out of court. A 24th something happened as well. However, there are still two more cases against Deshaun Watson that are active currently in the court system, meaning... If anything happens, a settlement, a an actual criminal charge, basically any sort of conclusion to these two cases might literally lend a true banishment to Deshaun Watson from the NFL 
because it would be a second violation. So no, it's nothing retroactive. It has to happen again. And that is exactly what would be happening with these two active cases against Deshaun Watson. So if I'm rostering him in dynasty leagues in particular, I am starting to get a bit worried. Let's go ahead and look at dynasty rankings and see how you can probably remedy this situation. Because right now he's valued pretty highly. He's QB 11 in our dynasty rankings. There's some quarterbacks after him that I would probably rather have more uh, that you can get a little cherry on top as well. Anthony Richardson is behind him. CJ Stroud is behind him. Kirk Cousins is behind him. Bryce Young, Daniel Jones, Tua Tungaviola, Geno Smith, Russell Wilson, maybe even Kenny Pickett, maybe Jordan Love, maybe Mac Jones, maybe Jared Goff, maybe some Desmond Ritter, some Brock Purdy. But any of those guys really taking one of them, getting a cherry on top to help out your roster may be a pretty smart move. I would also say, particularly in single quarterback leagues, I would be looking to offload Deshaun Watson. In super flex leagues, it might be worth still holding on to the risk of what could come. But in single quarterback leagues, I don't think holding on to him is worth it at all. You can offload him for something, whether it be another positional player or just a quarterback with something else. But I would move on from him in single quarterback leagues. Also, again, this is more so for Dynasty. Nothing's going to happen this year. We all know how slow the judicial system is. We all know how slow the NFL suspension process is as well. If anything happens, it wouldn't be till next year. So I wouldn't have any worry this season. Unless, you know, it happens midseason. But even then, the suspension would probably come next year. Or the banishment, if you will. So um, I, I'm very worried about a Deshaun Watson, a Hassan Haskins maybe as well, as again, it just has to be a threat or even just coercion of these sorts of acts for it to become an actual issue. So yeah, I'm a little bit worried about Deshaun Watson. I really am. Let's see. Um, let's see where the uh, you guys are saying in the comments. Yep. So the Harry Snowman points out, if he admits guilt, that is technically another sexual offense. And exactly. Um, it's, it's really, it's really, really scary the way that they've worded this, that a second violation of these offenses would result in a banishment. And also the fact that they've now added also just threats and coercion, as we know, kind of, especially in the sexual assault space that when it comes to people in power, such as famous people, such as professional athletes, anything can kind of be taken as coercion just because using your position of power for sexual things is considered sexual assault it is considered something bad and probably in this case a suspension so it's it's i'm glad to see the nfl taking this step forward and and uh giving actual punishments out for an actual true crime i hate that suspensions for gambling are worse than suspensions for this kind of scenario and so i am glad that they're trying to fix that um again uh, trying to fix that uh, but it, it is interesting. Justin says, I feel like you're misinterpreting it because he already has 20 something cases. Yes, but those 23 cases that were already that already happened, they're lumped into one thing. Right. But there's still two others. There's still two other cases out there regarding Deshaun Watson. So it's it's just worrisome to me. It is worrisome to me. I will say in terms of the contract, I am no expert on what happens with the contracts. I'm sure that there's some way for the Browns to recoup some money, but it is important to remember that it was all fully guaranteed at signing. I believe 
that uh, Mike Fiorio pointed out that they can restructure some of it to be a signing bonus per season. So they might be able to do something with that. You know, if he gets suspended next year, they might be able to convert it to a signing bonus and then say that that was forfeited instead of guaranteed. Um, but yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see. And no, Justin, it doesn't say anything about past offenses before this rule. And from what I read, but the way I'm looking into it is that a past offense doesn't necessarily, um, it's not necessarily a past offense until the trial has happened, until everything has been put on the table. So I would believe that if something happens with these two extra cases, um, that that would be a separate, like that would come after the rule if a, if a settling happened. I don't think it matters about where the actions are, but what happens with the court case and everything like that, because technically those things are still withstanding in the eyes of the legal system and honestly, the NFL suspension system, even if the act itself already happened. So I'm, I would just I, I urge some caution if you roster Deshaun Watson in Superflex leagues, especially Dynasty leagues and redraft, it's probably still fine. But also keep in mind, he's still battling this. He's still battling this. And if I remember correctly, one of the court cases can be this year, I believe in May, that they did make a motion for the trial to happen. So that's just out there happening as well. So just really keep your eye on it. And also, Jesus, my bird. <laughs> Sorry about that. But yeah, as Jay points out in the chat, the cases that were settled, I don't think anything will happen to, but there's still some out there trying to get settled. And I do think that that lends something else. And then also what I was saying before my bird so rudely interrupted me was that Deshaun Watson also, there's a mental aspect to this. While battling all this, how much can he actually focus on the football field versus the, the, the actual criminal charges being brought against him? It's just so many things to weigh and I'm just off, man. I'm just off. And let me know if you guys have any more questions. I'm sure that we'll we'll have a, this resolved a little bit more. It's something I found out this morning. And I'm sure some people with a little bit more insight and understanding of NFL rules will be able to say some more. But the way I'm reading into it is that anything happens, if anything happens regarding these two extra cases that are still out there, Deshaun Watson may be facing a literal banishment from the NFL. And yes, somebody said basically there's a two-year window. Yeah, I would say one and a half one and a half years is about is about right and thank you harry snowman the sean news is earth shaking in my opinion and yeah i mean just anyone really that has had this had these kinds of charges brought against them before if a second one happens or even just they're facing them right now the fact that just the threats and coercion has been added into it and it doesn't even have to be physical it can just be like speaking about it so anyway keep in mind guys big updates coming from the nfl regarding their their personal conduct policy it's 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 interesting next up joe burrow joe burrow injury joe burrow injury update uh mike petra petroglia hopefully i pronounced that right on twitter was in the Bengals locker room yesterday and said that joe burrow is in the locker room at his locker with the sleeve still on his calf but he has been walking around with no limp joe burrow appears to be okay which, were, which is good to know. I mean, we already know that it was just a calf strain and that he'd probably be okay before week one. I'm sure he's bubble wrapped and not doing anything more for training camp, but everything seems to be good for Joe Burrow. Next up, we had some injuries for the Broncos wide receivers, meaning 
It is Marvin Mims' season earlier than we expected. Tim Patrick, unfortunately, I'm it really, really sucks. Probably the most tragic news that came out yesterday was that Tim Patrick tore his Achilles in practice and is out for the year again. This comes after missing an entire year for a torn ACL. Now is going to miss the entire year with a torn Achilles. Maybe some retirement is on the line. I don't know with Tim Patrick, but that sucks for him. And then also KJ Hamler, not that he had a massive role in the offense, but just his speed would have been used. It is said per Mike Garofalo that the Broncos plan to waive KJ Hamler today because of a heart condition that he picked up. It's called pericarditis. It is essentially a heart irritation. Uh, and basically they're doing it with a non-football injury designation. It is looking like they will be able to bring him back and that the condition isn't that serious. And he's only expected to miss a few weeks, not months, but they just want to try to clear some roster space so that they can test out some other players. But regarding Marvin Mims, now he's very clearly the wide receiver three. It was argued that he'd start out as the four, maybe three and a half, depending on how the battle with Tim Patrick went. But now there's not even a battle. Now he's out there. And with KJ Hamler also being waived, now also the opportunity to be the speed element of the offense is there as Marvin Mims has a 94th percentile 40-yard dash. It's also important to point that he is an early declare, only three years in college, and had nine touchdowns as a freshman. He also last season had 1,000 receiving yards and six touchdowns, as well as hundreds of yards of special teams production over his college career. Special teams production means to me that it's just a good football player, a guy who likes to play the game, and a guy who can make it onto the field in any scenario. So I believe that Marvin Mims is continuously climbing up the draft rankings, deservedly so. I think that I would be trying to buy him right now, even with the injury news. I really, really do like the potential for Marvin Mims in this offense, especially if the trade rumors regarding Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy continue to be true. Of course, if any of those traded are traded, I would imagine it'd be Sutton over Judy, but you never know with these kinds of things. But again, Marvin Mims steadily climbing go get him if you can he's not crazy expensive he's probably a little bit more expensive but it's at least reasonable in my opinion another injury happened and that is that zach moss broke his arm it is expected to be a six week recovery give or take right so he should probably be fine by the time you know by week two week three or so um but you know it it just makes Deion jackson the main backup it gives evan hole an opportunity to get in a positive light among the Colts organization. I would say if I roster Deion Jackson, if I roster Evan Hole, I'm trading them. I am selling them as much as I can right now. I am I almost anything that I can take, I'm doing it. I do believe that Jonathan Taylor will ultimately be out there um, and that these backups right now are incredibly increased in value because of the Sackmoss injury and the Jonathan Taylor question marks that are floating around. So if you can go get some value for Evan Hull, if you can go get some value for Deion Jackson, I would go ahead and do that. And speaking of Jonathan Taylor, I want to show this video and credit to Dom78 uh, on the Discord for sending this over to me. Check this out. This is Jonathan Taylor at the Colts training camp, but look how he's just walking. He's over here undressed. He's like walking like literally a grandpa which goes to show why he failed the team physical and to me lends some credence to the fact that there was a back injury 
I'm going to go ahead and play that one more time while I talk about it, because it is just, to me, a little concerning looking how gingerly he's walking around. I mean, literally, look at that. My grandma walks faster than that. So I'm definitely concerned with Jonathan Taylor. Definitely concerned regarding Jonathan Taylor. I think, I think that's it. I might have one more thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Ronald Jones is facing a two-game suspension for PEDs. Boom. <laughs> the take on that is, of course, I don't know, uh, was it last week we had an episode, maybe two weeks ago, where the chat went insane discussing if Ronald Jones was the backup to roster in Dallas. I don't really think so. I do think it's probably Deuce Vaughn or maybe Malik Davis, um, but I, I, I'm not really too worried about Ronald Jones. He's been just floating around roster after roster now and not really making much of an impact, and now he's suspended. So. Eh, regarding Ronald Jones. Don't necessarily know which Cowboys running back to take a chance on. Like I said, I do like Deuce Vaughn a little bit. As I mentioned at the beginning of the draft or after the draft, uh, you know, his dad is an important scout for the team. So there's some nepotism involved. And as well as he's a pretty big workhorse uh, and was pretty good at Kansas State. Yeah, he's tiny, but we have seen some outliers before. So I think that that would be a fun upside play. So anyway. We've talked about a lot today, and I feel like there's probably some questions out there. So let's go ahead and knock that out. Let's see. Doesn't look like much, but um, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, again, just keep your eye out on this uh, NFL conduct policy. Maybe do some of your own research as well. See what you guys can find. And if you find anything else, feel free to come into tomorrow's show and we can talk about it some more. I will definitely continuously research this because I do think it's a huge developing story. And I'm definitely very intrigued by what this means for the rest of the league and especially Deshaun Watson. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you have a fantastic Tuesday, a fantastic rest of your week, and I hope to see you all tomorrow on the Player Profiler YouTube channel at 10 a.m. Eastern. Peace.